she's 10 years old, she's in sixth grade, and she and her cousin, that's Gabby and Brooke, they've been singing this, this little song for the last few weeks. Now, I don't know if you, any of you kids are watched the Disney Channel, but apparently there's a movie there called the Teen, uh, it's a teen uh, Beach Music something, whatever, right? And there's a, there's a line in one of the songs there that says, Are you ready? Ready, Freddy? Ready, steady? Let's go! Is Freddy here? Where's Freddy? There's Freddy. But they've been singing this song, so it's been in my mind. Are you ready? Are you ready? Well, any men, men here this morning? Are you ready? Are you ready for some football? Yeah, all right. Football season is just around the corner. I was thinking about that because, uh, you know, Super Bowl Sunday is on February 2nd, 2014. Put that date on your calendar, too, because we're having a huge Super Bowl party here. We're going to watch the game. We're going to have a potluck, some food. But are you ready for some football? All the women are groaning. Oh, no. But how about this one? Are you ready? Are you ready for the next hurricane? Yes? Wow. Remember the last storm we had, what was called Tropical Storm Flossie? Now, some of you were ready, some of you weren't, but it sort of just never really showed up, did it? But the question is, are we ready? Are we ready? Are you ready? I was I thinking about being ready. I was thinking about an episode that happened in my life many, many moons ago. I was in college. I was a freshman in college. I attended the University of Arizona in Tucson. And I remember that very first year, I was taking a class, Psychology 101, a basic psycho psych psychology class. And we had an exam. And to be honest with you, I was not ready. I was not ready. I had all these other classes I had to study for, so when the time came for that class, I was not ready or for that exam. So the night before... I stayed up all night, all night, and I crammed. How many of you have ever done that? Pull an all-nighter and cram, right? It's not a good idea, is it? Well, my test was at 8 o'clock the next morning. I stayed up and I crammed all night, and I finally got to bed at about 6 a.m. No, I did wake up. I woke up about 7, got ready to go to the class, and I did. I showed up at 8 o'clock, and uh, I started taking the test. And because I only had about an hour of sleep, guess what happened? I fell asleep in the middle of the exam. I was not ready. In fact, I wasn't just dozing off. You know how people kind of doze off? They kind of go, right? Just like that guy up there in the corner. <laughs> no, I really, I just fell asleep. And you know, you know why? I, how I know that I just didn't doze off? Because when I woke up, like 35 minutes later, there was drool all over my arm and my paper. And I looked up at the clock and I saw that like about 35 minutes had passed by and I looked at my paper and I only had one, one space filled in. And that was my name at the top of the paper. So I wasn't ready. I was far from being ready to take that exam. But while Jesus was here on earth, he told many stories. He told many parables. And, that's, and we're in the middle of this series of the parables of Jesus. And you may, you may recall some of the other parables we spoke about. The parable of the Good Samaritan, 
the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And last week, Santos spoke about the parable of the hidden treasure of great worth. Now, parables, they say, are earthly stories, stories that we can relate to. They're earthly stories with heavenly meaning. Jesus would capture the attention of the hearer with a story, but there was always a, always a deeper truth, a deeper meaning that Jesus wanted his hearers to apply to their lives. He not only wanted them to hear the story, but he wanted them to take action, to make a decision, to make a choice. Jesus was always calling for a point of decision. So whenever you hear a story or a parable, and you try to decipher what the meaning it is behind that, always ask yourself, Lord, what do you want me to do? What action step do I need to take? What decision do I need to take? It's not just a story that I hear and it gets registered in my mind, but it needs to be translated through our hands and through our feet and through our actions. Well, Jesus shared a number of parables about being ready. That's what we're talking about this morning, about being ready, about being prepared for the future, about being ready for, for the last days, for the end times when Jesus Christ returns. Now, I like to watch movies, and a lot of the movies I've been seeing recently depicts the world coming to an end for whatever reason. Now let me see. Oh, here's a couple of up there. But no matter how Hollywood would like to portray the future of the world, whether it's monsters coming out of the Earth's core in, in Pacific Rim, or warriors from the doomed planet of Krypton trying to take over the world but having to battle one of their own in the Man of Steel, Superman, or, or fighting off a bunch of zombies in World War Z, the Bible tells us in no uncertain terms that Jesus Christ is indeed coming back. And that marks the end of the world, as we know. The Bible clearly states that in the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, the last chapter in the Bible, Revelation 22, in the words of Jesus himself, and he says it several times, he says, I am coming back. Yes, I am coming soon. In the words of Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. But Jesus tells us he will be back and that he's coming soon. And John, the writer of Revelation, says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And so we know that Christ is coming back. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready for Christ's return? Let's look into the word. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. This is the parable that we're looking at today. Luke chapter 12. This chapter has many different parables in it. We're just going to be looking at one or two of them. We're starting at verse 35. At verse 35. And we're talking about, are you ready? And so here Jesus is speaking this parable. And he's referring in this parable to some servants that are in a household, and they're waiting for their master to return. So this is what he says, starting with verse 35. And he addresses the servants. He says, Be dressed for service, and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants 
the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself, the master, will seat them. He'll put on an apron and he'll serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or, or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Are you ready? If you've been seeing the news or, or listening or hearing the news, there's been some tragedies this week in the news. There was a, a woman, a foreign tourist in Maui who was attacked by a shark. Remember, and she lost a limb, and then a few days later, she lost her life. This week as well, there's a young teen over on the, a young teen over on the other side of the island who was skateboarding. He was actually, they call it skeeching. When you hold on to a car and you, you, you ride your skateboard and the car pulls you at some pretty quick, fast speeds. Well, unfortunately, he fell, hit his head on the road, and he too lost his life. I think some of you have heard about that young Australian student, college baseball player in Oklahoma, who was killed. He was tragically shot in the back, just minding his own business, just jogging down the road. He was killed for no apparent reason. Other than those teenage boys who shot him, they said they didn't have anything better to do. These are tragic and sometimes senseless, yet, yet we are reminded in times like these that life is fragile. Life is fragile and that our time here on earth is limited. And it hits a little closer to home when a, when a loved one passes away or, or someone we know is diagnosed with a terminal illness. We think of our own mortality. But the question still remains. Are you ready? Are you ready? If the Lord returns today, would you be ready? As a follower of Jesus Christ, we should be looking forward to his return. Now, I don't want to sound morbid and say that we should look forward to dying, but let's take a closer look at this story and see what Jesus has to say. You see, in this parable, we, we play the role of the servants, and we're waiting for the master to return home. Imagine, imagine if you will, if, if you were a worker a household worker in the palace where Prince William and Kate Middleton, where they lived. If you're one of the workers, say, say you were a chef or a gardener or a, or a driver or a housekeeper or any of the other staff of that particular household. And the prince and the duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton, and, and their brand new royal baby, Prince George. They were about to return home from the hospital, but you weren't quite sure exactly when they would be arriving home. Wouldn't you be ready? Wouldn't you be, always be on the alert whenever they did arrive, anticipating the homecoming of the prince? Well, this is sort of what it's like. Let's go back to the scripture, and let's look at verse 35. And this is what Jesus says, and this is the context. He says, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. Look, the master can return at any moment. Let's not become complacent. Let's not take our shoes off and put our pajamas on. Let's always look our best. 
Let's always be our best. Let's leave the light on because he can come at any moment when we least expect him. So let's be ready. And so what happens when the master returns and he finds that the servants are indeed ready and waiting for him to return? Look at verse 37. Verse 37 says this, the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself, the master, will seat them. He'll put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. Can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine that scene happening at the palace in England? Can you imagine Prince William doing that? Coming home from the hospital with his wife Kate and their brand new baby. And of course, all the staff is him and to serve them and to meet their every need. And all of a sudden, Prince William says, wait, wait, hold on, everybody. Come on, everybody gather around here. Everybody, sit down. Well, we can't sit down in your presence, your highness. But he says, sit down. And then he says, you, Miss Lily, give, give me your apron. And you, Mr. Frederick, give me your chef's hat. I'm, I'm going to go cook a feast. I'm going to go in the kitchen. I'm going to clean the house. And I'm going to make this huge feast. And I'm going to do it for you. And I'm going to seat you at the banqueting table as the honored guests. And as you come in, I'm going to announce your name. Just like you've seen some of those fancy parties. When they come up, they say, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. Laylee Lily, come on in. Sir Frederick, come on in. I'm going to announce your name, and then I'm going to seat you at the place of honor, and then I'm going to serve you the feast that I've prepared for you. And we're all going to join together at this wonderful banqueting table. That's what Jesus said in this parable. And that's what Jesus is going to do when he returns and he finds you ready and waiting. And that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing reward. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I can't even fathom that. So the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the Lord's return? Are you ready to feast at his banqueting table when he comes? Well, let's go on further in the parable. Let's look at the next verse, verse 39. And in this verse, Jesus changes gears a bit. He says this, understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. You see, in this verse, Jesus changes images. In the first image, Jesus is a loving master who returns and rewards his faithful servants. But in the second, the second image, he's a dreaded thief who comes and takes away what the homeowner treasures. And why this difference? Why this drastic difference? You see, to some... The return of Jesus will be a blessed event. That's to be eagerly anticipated. Yet to others, to those who are not ready, the return of Christ will be a terrible, tragic event. 
It's like having your house broken into and, and, and being ripped off. Have any of you ever had that experience of having your house broken into? You know, a few years ago when we were living in Milanani, we came home one evening and discovered that indeed our house had been broken into. And they tried to rob us. Unfortunately, they didn't take anything, probably because we didn't have much to take <laughs> to begin with. And as we were talking to the police, he said, well, apparently they were looking for cash and for jewelry, something that they could use very quickly. Well, we really didn't have any of that. We didn't have a whole lot of cash. In fact, we didn't have any cash in the house at the time. And the only jewelry we had are, was what we ran on our fingers, our wedding rings, our wedding bands. And um, Santos, where are you? My wife has a beautiful engagement ring. Last, if you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. He was talking about the treasure of great worth. And man, you need to get your, your wife's a wing, ring if, if she doesn't already have one. But even though the thief or the thieves didn't take anything, and even if they had, it could have been easily replaced, they did steal something, though. They stole my sense of security. Just knowing that an intruder, a stranger with evil motives, was in my house, my sense of security had been shaken. Let's go back to the parable and to see these two contrasting stories. What is, what is Jesus trying to say here? Remember to some, those servants who were ready and waiting the return of Jesus was a blessed event that's joyously anticipated. Yet to others, the return of Christ will be a horrible, tragic event. Like having your home broken into and being ripped off and your sense of security being shattered and violated. But what's the difference? What's the difference in these two stories? What is Jesus trying to tell us? I think it's quite simple. It all comes down to a relationship. Isn't that what it's all about? It's a relationship. You see, the servants in the first story have a personal, personal warm, loving, respectful relationship with their master who is loving and caring. As opposed to the homeowner who has absolutely no relationship at all with the burglar. That's the difference. So the question this morning is do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it the kind of relationship that the servants had with their master? A loving, a warm, a respectful relationship. And so when the master returns home, he lavishes them with a wonderful feast and a party. Or if you have no relationship with Jesus, so you're not even aware of when he comes to your home, he comes like a burglar and a thief just trying to rip you off. So do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And if so, you shouldn't fear his return, but you should look forward to it with joy. And so I ask the question again, are you ready? 
Are you ready? If Jesus returned today, could you face the Lord with confidence? Now you may think all you need to do is to be saved, to be ready for the return of Jesus. And, and that's the most important thing to do. It really is. So if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you have eternal life, don't leave this place until you're absolutely sure. If you need someone to talk to, we'll be happy to talk to you. I'd be happy to talk to you, Major Debbie and Thomas, some of our other staff. If you're not certain about your eternal destination, about your own salvation, make sure before you leave today that you have that confidence, that you're sure that you have that certainty. Don't leave here without the certainty of eternal life. That is our prayer. That is our hope. Well, let me finish up this morning with just one more thing. Most of you are believers here. Most of you are followers of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus returned today, you would be ready to face him, wouldn't you? But would you be able to face him with confidence? Would you be able to stand before him, not embarrassed, not ashamed of how you've lived your life, and what you've done with what he's blessed you with? We still need to stand in front of him. We'll be ready, but can we face him with confidence? You see, Jesus wants more for you than eternal life alone. When Jesus comes back, he'll say to you, he'll say, my child, my son, my daughter, I, I have saved you. I've given my son Jesus Christ for you. He died on the cross for you. I've saved you. I have sanctified you. I have, I have purposed you and, and given you talents and gifts and passions and opportunities. I have given you so much, so much, my child. Now tell me, what did you do with it? What did you do with your life? With all the blessings? What did you do with all the opportunities I gave you? What did you do with all the hope I gave you? How has your life made a difference for my kingdom? I showered you with all these things. What did you do with it? Verse verse 48 says, and it's the ending of the next parable down, but it's the same concept. It's the same concept. He tells us, verse 48, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Another version says this, to whom much is given, much is required. We are a blessed people. God has indeed blessed us with many things. There's a quote from that first Spider-Man movie. That Uncle Ben told Peter Parker as he lay dying on the side of the street. He said, Peter, with great power, 
comes great responsibility. With great blessing comes great responsibility. And as I look at ourselves and I look at you, God has truly blessed us in so many ways. But along with that blessing comes the sense of responsibility to reach out to others. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so we've been, in, been entrusted. We've been entrusted with this wonderful gift, this priceless treasure. And God wants us to use it for his glory. And so I believe there are some of you who know that God is calling you to serve him in a greater capacity than what you're serving now. I don't know what that is. But he's saying, you can do more. You can do more. I've blessed you. Maybe it's to get more involved in the church. Maybe it's even to step up and join a small group or to lead a group. Maybe it's to serve as a volunteer in ministry. Maybe there's some of you here who's saying, Lord, I'm not sure if you're calling me into full-time service. Lord, I'm not sure if you're calling me into missions. You've gifted me with talents and passion and skill, but I'm not fully using them for your honor and for your glory. And Jesus is saying, make your life count. Make your life count. When you come face to face with me, I want you to face me with confidence and not be embarrassed or ashamed. Make your life count. Life is short. The time is now. Step up to the plate. Well, here's my challenge for you today as we come to a close. I want you to do something significant for the kingdom of God. Now that sounds like a pretty awesome task. But I want you to do something significant for the kingdom of God for eternity's sake by just doing something significant today. You know, other than God, the Bible says that there are only two things that will last for time and eternity. That's his word, the scripture, and that's the souls of men and women and boys and girls. It's the people. And we need to invest in these eternal things, and that needs to start today. So how can I do something significant for the kingdom of God? Well, here's my challenge to you, and, I, and they're just two simple things, and I think all of you can do it. And this is your homework for this week. The first thing, as it relates to the Bible, get to know the Word of God more. If you're not already reading it on a regular basis, read it. We have a Bible reading plan. But here's the challenge. I want every one of you this week to memorize one verse of Scripture. It could be any verse, but there's a challenge. And I want you to come back next week and tell someone that verse that you memorized. Let me give you a few suggestions. Look at the first verse here. This is 1 John 5, 13. If you're not sure about eternal life, if there's some uncertainty... John says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Memorize that. Put it in your heart. When there are doubts that come your way, you can claim this verse. Here's another verse. It's taken from the Old Testament. Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Oh, how much we need courage today, don't we? To step up, to stand up, to do the right thing. We all need that in our everyday life when we make everyday decisions. Memorize this verse. Put it in your heart. God will bring it back to memory. Now, if some of you have a hard time memorizing things, I can understand. We're not all like Thomas, who has a photographic memory. So, here's the third suggestion. Shortest verse in the Bible. Anybody can memorize that, right? John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. If you come back next week and tell someone, John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept, you got an A plus for your homework. All right? But memorize the word of God. Hide it in your heart. Treasure it. And it'll help you to apply it as well. So that's the first assignment this week. Spend time in the word of God. And the second thing, just as easy, pour life into someone else this week. God is all about people. It's all about relationships. You can do something very simple. Pour life into someone else this week. It doesn't have to be earth-shattering, but it needs to be sincere and consistent. Parents, if you have children, pray with your child before they go to bed, or before they go to school. Maybe some of you already do that. Well, do it more often. Do it a couple more times than you normally do. Pour life into your children. We try to do that. We try to pray with our kids before they go to school and before they go to bed. We're not always batting 100%, but we keep trying. Pour life into your children. Another suggestion. Do a kind deed for someone. And don't do it for selfish reasons, but do it in Jesus' name. Bless others in a practical sense. And then a third suggestion is spend some time with people. Have a meal with a coworker or a neighbor and share how God is working in your life so that they can get a glimpse of Jesus. Remember, we want to point people to Jesus. The best way to do that is just tell your story. To tell them what Jesus is doing in your life. And it points them to Jesus. There's many other things you can do. But that's the challenge. Memorize one verse of scripture and find one time this week that you can pour your life into someone else. Because it will make a difference. It will make a difference for eternity's sake. So the question, are you ready? Make your life count so that when the time comes for you to meet Jesus face to face, you will be ready. And you will be able to stand before Jesus with confidence, with certainty, with assurance. Not only the fact that you're saved and you have the promise of eternal life, but that you've been a good servant of Jesus Christ. Your life has made a difference that will in affect eternity and the kingdom of God. I hope that's your prayer and your hope that you can stand ready and confident before the Lord so that when we stand before him, he can say these words, well done, well done, 
good and faithful servant. Let's pray together.